welcome. Glad to see you here today. Let me first of all say Happy Father's Day. Is there any fathers in here? Stand up. Stand up. Let's see. I want to see. Stand up. Let's give them a round of applause. couple of announcements. Vacation Bible School begins next Sunday at 6 o'clock, I believe. And also next Sunday at 8.30 to 9. This is what worked best for their schedule. There will be a reception in the Family Life Center for Andy and Kelly to recognize their work that they've done with us through the years. And also, we have uh, Lake Day coming up. And on Lake Day, we will officially receive uh, Paige Brooks, who is our new Director of Student Ministries. Paige was received into the membership of the church today. She was transferred from Trinity uh, at Fountain Inn, Trinity and I met the church at Fountain Inn, and she was received in the 9 o'clock service. And uh, Paige is, Paige, you're, are you here? You're here somewhere. There you are, Paige. Would you come up here and just turn around and stand and let me let everybody see you for a moment and um, we want to, we like I said, her official welcome is going to be on Lake Day. She actually begins tomorrow her training and orientation, and uh, we want to welcome her today with us. Thank you. Thank you. I guess you noticed that the choir is not seated today. But, but I guess I see a lot of you out there, so I'm thinking that means that you are taking the day off. Jessica is off. So y'all get to be off. I can't help it, i got to say it. <laughs> Scott said, does that mean they're going to stand up through the whole service? No seated choir? I said, yeah, I think that's a pretty good idea. I think I'll tell them that next week. Next time they say that. All right, let's begin our worship together. <clears throat> be with you. Let us pray together. God of wind, word, and fire, we bless your name this day for sending the light and strength of your Holy Spirit. May that same Spirit enable us to praise and witness to your love throughout all the earth, through Jesus Christ who lives with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever. Amen.
us affirm our faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. seated. Let our children come forth at this time. My own. Yeah. Um, what is today? Do you know? Father's Day. I bought a picture of my father. Do you know who that is with him? No, it's not me. Hey, it's Emma who's sitting right there. Look how little she is. She looks funny. Anyway, this is my dad, and some people say. I look like him a little bit. Do you think I do or not? Yeah? Some people say I look like him, but I have my mom's mannerisms. Do you know what mannerisms are? Like how I talk and how I walk and things like that. that is, I'm more like my mom. And um, I'm sure some of you, some people say that you look like your dad or like your mom. Um, so some of you have been told you look like your mom and your dad, no? Yeah, who do you look like? Yeah, you look like me. Who do you look like, you know? Like your mommy? How about you? How about you? You don't know. You look like somebody. Somebody. Look at me. Um, we often resemble our earthly parents, but we are also like our heavenly father, God. And the Bible tells us that he created us in his own image. And we are given gifts of the Spirit that make us more like Him. Who remembers the fruit of the Spirit that you learned in your adopted way? Now, do you remember any of the fruits of the Spirit? Can you name them? Go ahead. Any? Yeah. Excellent. Did you remember them too? Yeah. All right, those are the fruits of the Spirit. God gives us those gifts because he wants us to be more like him. And he wants us to use these gifts to help us be a blessing to others. Speaking of gifts, what kind of gifts can we give our dads for Father's Day? Cards? Fishing hooks, that's a good one. Ties, things you need. A computer? Wow, for Father's Day? That's nice. <laughs> That's really nice. Um, 
But what about our Heavenly Father? Shouldn't we give Him something too? We can give Him our trust. What else? What else can you give our uh, God? Our love. Other ideas? Peace. Peace, that's a good one. It's hard. You think God already has the whole world, right? He created the whole world. What can we give Him? Well, our joy, that's a good one. The Bible tells us what God wants. In Deuteronomy uh, 10, 12, it says, What does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul? God wants us to love him and to walk in all his ways, which means obeying all his commandments. Not just some of them, not the ones that we like, and not the other ones. We all of them. And if we give him all of our hearts, he will be the happiest father you can imagine. So we don't have to send God a Father's Day card. We can say Happy Father's Day to him by loving him and by obeying all his commandments. And when you go home today and when you're with your family and your friends this week, I want you to remember that you have a Heavenly Father who loves you very much, who gives you wonderful gifts, and who wants you to use your gifts to be a blessing. And I want you to remember that we want to give God our gifts, too, of loving him, you know, and walking in all his ways. So let's end with a prayer. Repeat after me. God, thank you for our dads. And thank you that you are the father of us all. Help us to walk in all your ways so as to always please you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our scripture lesson is Psalm 8. It's on page 848 in your pew Bible. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. From the lips of children and infants, you have ordained praise because of your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet, all flocks and herds and the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
Let us bow our heads in prayer. O oh Lord, in your mercy, hear the prayers of these our people. O oh God, with your revelation on Pentecost Sunday of the Holy Spirit, we come this day on Trinity Sunday, and we now understand you have been revealed to us as a creating God, a redeeming God, and a sustaining God. And so we confess and praise your name this day with our hearts and our mouths and our presence. And we hope that you are pleased and you find our gifts acceptable as we come before you humbly seeking our petitions. Before we can do that, though, we know we must confess. And we confess that even though we know that you have made us the crown of your creation, there are times when we set ourselves in your place. There are times that we squander your gifts. There are times when we do not honor you by carrying out your commandments and your precepts. In all these and other cases, O oh Lord, this week and in the past, we ask for forgiveness. We pray that you'd forgive us, restore us by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you'd help us to be about the work of disciples of Christ, helping to establish your kingdom, promoting your church, and living in your way. Lord Jesus redeemed us from the power of the devil, and he opened the door to everlasting life. And he did that through suffering and dying for our sin. And so we know, O oh Lord, that you care about our suffering. And we pray, O oh Lord, this day that you comfort those who may be suffering, whether it's body, mind, or spirit. Whether they be the ones that are on our prayer list or those we name before you in our hearts now. pray, O oh Lord, that they would know and feel your presence and love in their life. And that you would help us to accept your good and perfect will in this as all things. Thank you, O oh Lord. We pray in your name and we pray as you taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us continue our worship with our giving. Let our ushers come forward now as we receive our tithes and our offerings.
Gospel of Matthew chapter 10. There's two verses that make you realize how much and how important that Jesus the Son thought of God the Father. Matthew 10, 32, red letter words of Jesus Christ. Give attention to the reading of God's holy word. Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, I have to, will disown him before my Father in heaven. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you, O Lord, for your words always and everywhere. We thank you for the way the Father strengthened you and how you did the work of the Father and how you acknowledge even today to your Father, us, who are your disciples. And you stand and intercede for us. And we thank you, O Lord, and hope that we can have the example that you've given us uh, through the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, uh, how we can be godly men, men who are fathers to all who come in our care. Pray in your name. Amen. Well, you know, ever so often, uh, Brent and I, we have this little thing. We go back and forth between, you know, things that men like to do, things that women like to do, and we kid each other back and forth. I don't know if you've ever read the book called Men Are From Mars and Women Are From Venus. It's a secular book, but it has a whole lot of common sense stuff in there about how different the sexes are. But I ran across a little article, and I had to share it with her, and she got a chuckle. It said, good reasons why it's good to be a man. Now here's a couple of them I want to share with you. You can drop by to see somebody without having to bring a little gift. A week-long vacation requires only one suitcase, maybe less. I have been known to go away overnight and carry one of them bags like I give you at the grocery store. That's all right. I like this one. You can admire somebody like Clint Eastwood without starving yourself to look like him. And this is my all-time favorite. And I think most of you women would agree. It's good to be a man because gray hair and wrinkles add character. Good to be a man. I heard of this mother who was who had just had an newborn child, and they were home in the hospital, and the child was in the nursery. And she come walking by the nursery and noticed that her husband was in the nursery, standing and looking at the newborn baby that was asleep. She was so touched. She stepped up, up behind him, and she said, Honey, what are you thinking? And he said, I just can't understand how they can make a crib like that for that amount of money. <laughs> it's good to be a man, but it's even better to be a father. And unfortunately today in society, we, I think we fail to see the importance of a father. We, we fail to see, many men fail to see the importance of their role as a father. And I believe that fathers need to be reinstated to the level of importance that God intended for them. And I believe that when dads are undervalued, so is a right relationship with our Father in Heaven undervalued. You know, God gives us plenty of examples of how to be a good father in the way that He loved us, His children. You know, God did not wait for us to meet His expectations. Uh, God doesn't wait for us to make Him proud. That doesn't wait for us to measure up to some standards. He first of all just loves us. He loves us. While we were yet sinners, He died for us. God may be angry when we disobey Him. He may be saddened when we stray from Him. He may be sorrowful when we sin. But He never ever stops offering us forgiveness and loving us. And men, to be like Jesus in the way we manage our household, in my opinion, it's one of the greatest expressions of love that you can give to your family. Now, on a practical measure, I want to share with you three things real fast. 
specific things that you men should keep in mind, whether you're a father or not, you're a father to somebody. First of all, the example you set is seen by those younger, young children and young people that you're around. The example you set about faith in your life, about attendance at church, about spiritual things, these are examples that make lasting impression upon a child's life. When I was around eight years old, I can remember vividly a memory on Saturday evenings of my dad spreading out all these books, including the Bible, on the kitchen table. And my mom telling us kids to be quiet and allow daddy some peace and quiet and time because he was studying to teach. He might have been studying to teach a Sunday school class or a Bible study. But I remember that vividly in my imagination. I remember my dad being present in church. I remember my dad standing up and speaking to issues that were crucial to the church body at many times during my life. I was baptized in that covenant of baptism that they made, like we saw last week. They pledged to raise me in the church. They did that. I was in the church. I went through youth. I went through confirmation. I, I Later, as an adult, I served in lay capacity in many positions, and I followed in the footsteps of my father, raising our children in the church. That's your first priority, is to set an example about the Lord Jesus Christ to your family. Now the second thing I believe that's important as a father is this. Your close and personal relationship with God, after that, your next priority must be your wife. You must love your wife as Christ loves you. And you must remember the covenant promise you made at your marriage. Way too many people, men and women, forget the covenant that they made at their marriage. And consequently, we have so many broken families in our society today. So if you're married, love your wife. The third thing is this. A good father will spend time He'll spend time with his family, with his children. Now, men, I, I can say without a doubt that being a good father and a good husband was the most challenging responsibility I ever faced in my life. I was far from perfect at it. There's many things I look back and I think, in my generation, I believe in most men, were pursuing their career above everything else. That's what I did. So my career became first. My relationship with God and my family was always second. And consequently, I look back at times during that time in my life and I realize how many things I missed. How many times I wasn't there to set the example. How, how many things that I regret. Friends, when they're four, eight, sixteen, those years go. And once they're gone, you can't get them back. So don't let your career take you away from your time with your God and your family. If I could go back and do one thing over, that's what I would do. Now the other thing you have to remember is what you say people hear. And it can affect the child forever. It was a story that I read about a man who, who, as a little boy, he, he was, he was not doing good in math. His teacher wrote a note and sent it home and said, your son is having difficulty in math. Well, instead of getting him the help that he needed, the parent said to him, well, I guess you're just not bright enough for math. You don't have the aptitude for math. You're just a dummy when it comes to math. And, and this man writes that from that point on, he said, I never could do anything in math or any other subject. He said, I, I did terrible. 
But then one day the teacher put a problem on the board and I looked at the problem and I said, I know how to answer that. And he said, I held up my hand and, I, and when I did, he said, everybody in the classroom laughed because they knew that I was a dummy. You see? Because I'd been told I was a dummy. But I walked for every reason. Something caused me to walk anyway up to the chalkboard. And I worked the problem, and I had the right answer. And he said, then I realized for the first time in my life that it wasn't that I couldn't do it. It was that everybody had told me I couldn't do it. And because I believed that one time that I could do it, I went and tried and did it, and my whole life changed. He ended up going to college, becoming a psychologist. You see, think contrast that way of dealing with the child in the way God dealt with His children. You know, one of the things that uh, we don't, I don't guess we read the Old Testament enough, or even maybe I don't preach from it enough, but Joshua, in his search and his uh, efforts to go into the promised land that God had promised, uh, it was not an easy thing. Everybody just thinks, oh yeah, God gave them the promised land, they walked right in, it was wonderful. Bill can hunt. It was a hard, difficult journey. And in Joshua 1.9, it's recorded what God told Joshua at a low point when he was being discouraged and when he didn't think he could do the task before it. And the Lord is recorded as saying, Have I not told you? In other words, that alone should mean something. The Lord has told you to do something. Then he says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged, for I, the Lord your God, is with you wherever you go. God sees the potential in His children, and He encourages them always to go out and to do what it is He has told them to do. So dads, it's important for you to be encouraging and to watch your words. The Apostle Paul has some words for us in Ephesians about, for all of us about do not let unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but what is helpful for the building up of others. God is good and God is a perfect Father. And His intentions and actions are never evil or unloving. But He still disciplines us. Deuteronomy 8.5 says that just as a man disciplines his son, the Lord God will discipline. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, it says that discipline doesn't seem pleasant at the time, but it will produce a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. You see, the thing is, we must train up our children wisely. Discipline them wisely in reflecting the character of God. It was a parable about three fathers who thought that they needed to teach their child about God. One father thought, I'm just going to teach my child about the power that God has. And so as they walked down the pathway of life, he again and again hammered home about the power of God and how the child must be obedient to God. And then one day, they came face to face with God. Well, what do you think happened? The child was afraid. He was afraid even to look upon God, refusing to even put his hand in the hand of God. The second father had a different approach. He also realized he had a responsibility to teach his child about God. But he was in a hurry. He didn't have the time. So he tried to cram in a whole lot of facts into the child's mind. He filled the child with lots of facts, but he never taught the child about how to love God. One day, they came face to face with God. But the child didn't give even God a casual glance and turned away. Because it wasn't about a relationship. It's just about rules. Finally, there was a third father who took the time to put his hand in his child's hand to follow along and make his steps so that they'd match the tiny steps of his child. And they walked along in an unhurried pace, stopping often to look at God's beauty 
in grandeur in nature. They walked amongst the fields and the flowers. They looked at bird nests and eggs. And during this slow and hurried time, the father told his child about God through stories. Stories like we tell in Sunday school or vacation Bible school. Stories about God and His love to us, His compassion to us. Finally, one day they met God. And without hesitation, the child placed his hand trustfully into the hand of his heavenly Father. Which Father are you? Which Father do you want to be? In a lot of God's love, encouragement, and discipline, we must realize that we have a responsibility to bring up children in the proper training and instruction of the Lord. And the Lord has made us in a special way just for that purpose. That's why we're from Mars and women are from Venus. How many of you remember a lady named Irma Bombeck? Anybody remember her? She was a fantastic lady of faith who wrote many inspiring books with a great sense of humor. And I recently read where she had written a story about how God created fathers. Now, I'm not going to read it all to you, but I'm going to pull out some of the points. She said that when the Lord was creating fathers, He started with a bigger frame than women and mothers. And the angel standing nearby said, I don't understand. If you're going to make the Father this big, how is He going to be able to do all the things He might need to do? How is He going to be able to tuck a child into bed without bending? Or how will He be able to kiss a child without stooping? God just smiled and says, Yes, but if I make Him child size, who would the children have to look up to? God just kept being busy, creating. Next thing was his hands. He made big hands. An angel shook her head and said, I just don't see how these hands are going to be right, Lord. They're big hands and they're clumsy. They can't manage diapers. They, they can't put rubber bands on ponytails. They won't even be able to remove a splinter from a baseball bat. And God just smiled again and said, I know that, but they're large enough to hold everything a child empties from their pockets at the end of the day. And yet they're small enough to cuff a child's face. God continued, and then He made these real big long legs and broad shoulders, and the angel nearly had a heart attack. Boy, this is the end of the week, all right, the angel said. How's he going to pull a child close to him without the kid falling between his legs? And God smiled and said, A mother needs a lap, but a father needs strong shoulders and a frame to pull a sled, to bounce a boy on a bicycle, hold a sleepyhead on the way home from the zoo. So God continued creating. And he got to the feet. And he made the largest feet that that angel had ever seen. And I know that's true. You know, my son's got a size 12 feet, you know. Where did he get them feet? The angel said, Do you, Lord, do you really think that these large feet are going to get out of bed early in the morning when the baby cries? What about when they want, when he walks to a, a birthday party? He's probably going to crush at least three of the kids with those big feet. God just smiled at the angel and said, they'll work. You'll see. They'll scare off critters at a summer camp. Or they'll leave footprints in the snow. It'll be a challenge to follow. And finally, God finished. And He put the man, the father, with a firm voice and eyes that saw everything. Boy, I believe that too. My dad saw everything. But then, he stopped. He says, one thing missing. And he turned to the angel and he said, I need to add one thing. Tears. 
And the angel was perplexed. And God said, now he can love just as much as a mother. And the angel seeing the completed father smiled and was finally silent. And thus, Arma Baumbach says, that's how God created fathers. I think that's a pretty apt description. So let me offer a prayer for fathers. Let me pray. Let us pray. I pray, O oh Lord, this day for all fathers. For those fathers who gave us life and love, may we always show them respect and love. May all, If they're no longer alive, may we always cherish the memory of those fathers. And I also pray this day, O oh Lord, for those fathers who might have lost a child through death. I pray that they will know and feel and realize your presence with them. That they will that their faith will give them hope. And that their family and friends would always be there for them. We pray to the Lord. We pray to the Lord for men who never had any children of their own, but who have nurtured many nephews and nieces and many children through the church or through teaching or in the community, through sports. We pray for those fathers who have been fathers, who have nurtured and cared for us just the same. We pray to the Lord. We pray to the Lord also for fathers who have been unable to be a source of strength. Yes, we even pray for those who have not responded to their children and who have not sustained their families. We still lift them up to you, O Lord, and pray for them and ask that you would be with them. We pray to the Lord. God, who has come to us in three ways, but also as a Father, Creator, to you, God, in your wisdom and love, you created and made all things. And we pray, O oh Lord, that you would bless all these men we've mentioned. That they may be strengthened. Where they are fathers, they would be better fathers. Where they're failing, that they would improve. And we pray, O oh Lord, that, the, that your example would become their example of faith and love. And may that shine forth. And grant, O oh Lord, us, the sons and daughters, the nieces and nephews, may we always honor them, always with a spirit of profound respect. And we pray, O oh Lord, that you grant this in all things, through Christ, who is our Lord. Amen.